contact tracing for COVID-19 versus data privacy. Where do we draw that line? What should we be concerned about? Haley Sukiyama from the Electronic Frontier Foundation is here to explain. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Hello, and welcome back, listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. Today, we're talking about contact tracing programs, and I'm sure most of you out there have heard about this on the news, but basically, these are programs designed to give advanced warning to individuals if they've come in close contact with somebody who tests positive for COVID-19 or the coronavirus. And as I understand it, they come in two varieties. One's the manual, and the other is the automated. And of course, the automated ones use technologies like apps. And of course, that involves data, which causes causes some people to have concerns about how that's being used. So how is my information being managed? Who has access to it? And what else is it being used for? But before I get way over my skis, let's bring on our guest expert who is here to join us. Haley Sukiyama, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Haley, before we get into our discussion here, I I know that you work for the Electronic Frontier Foundation, but I understand you also do a little work at the Capitol, meaning California. Yes, I do. So actually, my job at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, or EFF, is um, I'm the legislative activist. So I work on um, sort of all of our campaigns for bills around the country, mostly in California, mostly up in Sacramento, um, on any number of of issues on privacy, uh, mainly on um, IP, all kinds of stuff like that. So if it's a state-level bill and EFF is interested, that's my wheelhouse. So basically, you're, you're the ideal guest to have to talk about this. Well, uh, I will try. I will try to be. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, well, anyway, uh, contact tracing, Haley, you know, I think most people have some general idea about it, but I think understanding the who behind it is really important. And so, you know, just in terms of the participants, you know, who is tracing, who is providing the data, who is administering, what is this grouping of people? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think, you know, contact tracing is a is a phrase that many people have become familiar with in the past few months. Um, but it is actually a very old uh, epidemiological tool. So anytime there's an outbreak, often, um, most often it's public health authorities. So your Department of Public Health uh, or maybe your county Department of Health, you know, they're trying to figure out um, with cases, uh, in this case of COVID-19, where people test positive, sort of who they've been around and who those people have been in contact with. So it's generally been an interview process, right? You sort of talk to someone who's sick, you say, okay, where have you gone? Um, They say, you know, oh, I was at church. So then you go to the church and you kind of try to figure out, is anybody else sick? That kind of thing. So that's sort of the basic idea of contact tracing. Well, that sounds like, from what I understand, that that's the manual process for doing this. But They're also doing this automated process, which is involving technology. How does that work? Yeah. Um, So, yes, as you say, uh, that is sort of the that is the manual process. And now because, um, you know, because we have smartphones and because everybody's sort of carrying these computers around in their pocket. The hope is that, you know, you could use the technology that lets you sort of look at location and look at other people that you're near to say, okay, if I, Haley, am sick, if I test positive for something, and I have this app on my phone that gives a basic idea of where I've been, that the app could let other people who know, uh, other people who've been where I have been in roughly the same time period, know that uh, they may have been exposed. Now, different places or different programs sort of implement this differently, but that's sort of the basic overview. And generally speaking, we've seen public health authorities ask people to download these apps. And so that is sort of from the administrative side, that's that's who is administering it. 
this is an opt-in program and it doesn't matter whether it's manual or automated. This is an opt-in only. It's not like people's information is just being put out there without their permission. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, I think it would be. There has been some discussion of, you know, whether, you know, you could compel people to download the apps, uh, whether they could just appear on your phone. So, uh, you know, this is actually a fairly new idea. And certainly uh, in terms of the scale of how we're thinking about deploying it um, as a society uh, is is new. So uh, a lot of details like that have not been hammered out. Well, let's talk about the data. So Obviously, these programs need to collect information, and you all at the EFF have expressed some concerns about that. So let's talk about the use of data that concerns you. Yeah. So I think, you know, there are a couple ways that people are looking at sort of designing these programs. And there are ways that, you know, we think are better and and ways that we think are a little more troubling from a privacy perspective. You know, if you're looking at something like GPS data or something like really specific location data, that is a little bit concerning to us. Uh, Location data is is really, really sensitive. And so you want to be sure that when people are opting into the collection of that kind of data, you know, that they understand sort of how sensitive that can be, right? Location data, obviously saying, where you are can be, um, you know, pretty uh, telling, but it can also tell people, you know, who you're associating with. Um, if you're frequenting a medical clinic, that you know, it, not for COVID reasons, but you're, you know, for example, going to see a, a, a doctor, a specialist, or something, then that could reveal things about you. So we really want to be sure that when people are looking at things like collecting that kind of data, that they're protecting it well, and that they're actually being sort of as a they're kind of getting the information that they need and no more. So we actually do not like programs that use GPS location data because we think it's actually too too precise for um, what you need for contact tracing. There is something else called proximity tracing, which just sort of tells you, you know, I was uh, near another person, for example, um, and, you know, they use those with um, sort of, they assign an ID to your device that is not necessarily easy to associate with your name if you're not within the system. So, you know, I could get a notification on my phone that said, hey, you are at this Safeway and at a time when somebody else was at the Safeway who tested positive. And so I wouldn't know, you know, oh, it was the the checkout person or whatever. Um, I would just sort of get a a vaguer notification, but still enough information for me to, to go off of. Well, outside of just the pure data and data management concerns, you know, what other factors are you worried about with these contact tracing programs? Yeah. So we've talked about sort of the basic concept. I think, you know, as is as is so often the case, uh, there are a lot of applications of that concept that we're worried about. So, you know, for example, I did mention if you were going to see a specialist about an unrelated condition, if, for example, your employer was the one who asked you to download that app onto your phone, you know, it's possible that they would know, you know, if you're, you know, if you're pregnant and you don't want to tell anybody yet, but you are going to the to the OBGYN or something, right? Like that that your employer might be able to get that information. I think we're also worried about, you know, if these apps are invasive and people don't want to download them, that they could be kept out of situations just because they don't want to give up their privacy. And that's not something that we want to see. So really we'd like to see these designed with the best privacy in mind so that people feel comfortable downloading them and can use them without fear of retribution. 
So, Haley, I got a two-part question here for you. You know, um, I know the EFF was not the only organization worried about some of the privacy concerns when it came to contact tracing and data getting out there, but there were other organizations. So I guess the first part of the question, who else joined you in this coalition letter that you wrote to the governor and legislature making certain recommendations? And then the part B of that question, what type of data were you recommending to the governor and the legislature to be kept out of these type of programs? Yeah, so um, we are joined by... Um the ACLU of California, Consumer Reports, Media Alliance, Oakland Privacy, and uh, Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. So there's six of us on that letter. Um, those are all folks that we work with really closely on a lot of privacy legislation in California and, and outside of California. You know, we work with, we work with them on government and uh, corporate surveillance concerns. So, um, you know, it, it made a lot of sense. Um, so in terms of sort of common sense data protections that we were asking for when it comes to setting up a contact tracing program in this state, it's less about the sort of data that you're collecting and more about what you do with it. So, um, you know, we really, I mean, in terms of the data that you are collecting, we want to be sure, as I said, that you're not collecting more than you need both because that is invasive and also because it can make people very wary about participating. So we ask for data minimization rule, that's what we call it, um, that just makes sure that any information that's being collected actually serves a public health purpose. So you don't need to know every, every step I took, you kind of need to just know when I was around a lot of people, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, a lot of the other things that we ask for, the other three things that we ask for are really more about managing the data. So making sure that, you know, if a government, many governments don't have the expertise to do this on their own. So they are contracting with, um, you know, with, with private companies. We just want to make sure that those private companies don't use this information for, for example, commercial purposes, for ads, to sell to data brokers, to build profiles of people, right? This is a public health uh, purpose, and we want to be sure that it's limited just to that one purpose. Sort of as I uh, alluded to earlier, we wanted to make sure that, you know, if people didn't want to participate, or if they did participate um, in the program, that there's no way that they would be discriminated against for doing that. So, you know, obviously, if you're sick, and you have to quarantine, that's one thing, but you know, just to make sure that you um, don't attach a stigma, for example, to people who participate or you know, don't uh, punish those who decline to participate because they are worried about privacy risks. And then fourth, we really wanted to make sure that again, um, you know, when it comes to holding on to this data, even if you're sort of doing the minimum that you need for the public health purpose, it still is pretty sensitive data. So we wanna make sure that, you know, that we're purging that information you know, that information is useful, but not forever. So uh, there is kind of a retention limit. There are ways you could, of course, aggregate the data to say, you know, it's affecting these communities, it's affecting these types of people. Um, we don't necessarily object to that. But just in general, it's a good idea not to hold on to data for too long, not only because it's sensitive, but also because uh, it makes you a target for hackers. All right, last question for you. We're, we're just about out of time here, Haley. So if you had a friend or family member that was thinking about participating in one of these contact tracing programs, what advice would you give them? Um, that's a good one, because I will admit, I'm in addition to being a, a privacy advocate, I'm also the daughter of, a, of an infectious diseases doctor. So, you know, I do also think about from the from the medical perspective, you know, I would just say, look really carefully at what information they're collecting. They should have to tell you that in a privacy policy. If it feels bad, don't do it, right? Um, there are other ways that you can do this. You know, there are other ways that public health authorities can do this. 
for example, not everybody has a smartphone, so they do have to have sort of other processes set up. So if you're not comfortable with downloading the app, you know, there are other ways to do it. They may be a little less convenient or they may feel less convenient, but they will be safer. So if you're confident in the privacy of, of the app you download, if you're confident that public health authorities won't abuse that information, then go ahead and participate, but just make sure that they have those strong promises up front. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Haley. And as always, thank you listeners for tuning in. If you like this episode, please rate us and leave a review in your favorite podcasting app. It helps us climb those show ranks, which is always a good thing. Also, we'll cite and make available our resources for this episode on our website, legaltalknetwork.com. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Colletti. Have a great day, everybody. 